0: Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. In Dubuque area news headlines, dateline Stockton, Illinois. Northwest Illinois Forestry Association will host a discussion of solar energy options for homeowners and businesses in Stockton next month. The event will take place at 7 p.m. Tuesday, February 7th at the Stockton Public Library, one forty. West Benton Street, West Benton Avenue. And local business news headlines, Dubuque Hot Dog Joint makes plans for brick-and-mortar location. Stockton Insurance Agency acquires two offices. New gaming store opens in southwest Wisconsin. Story by Kaylee Reese at Media. .com. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from across the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque, Stockton, Illinois, and Fenimore, Wisconsin. A Dubuque hot dog joint is taking steps to open its first brick and mortar location this spring. Hot Diggity Dogs, which operates its food trailer at 1902 Central Avenue, plans to move into the building at that address in the next couple of months. Owner Wesley Rainer said there is no official estimated date for the brick-and-mortar opening, but he hopes the project will be ready in April. We're generally going to continue to do what we do now. The Chicago-style hot dogs, Italian beef, he said. We will be expanding the menu to burgers, chili, fee- cheese- Philly cheesesteaks, all that good stuff. Rainer said he's been looking for a brick-and-mortar location for his business since opening in August 2019. He said he was waiting for the 1902 Central Avenue location which previously housed Central Avenue Mercantile to become available. After getting the space, Rainer has focused on raising funds to go toward the renovation. This included recently asking lenders online to give toward a $5,500 Kiva loan. The loan was fully funded by 107 people in less than two days and Rainer said he plans to do something special for the lenders to show appreciation. Rainer said plans for the brick-and-mortar location include having a long counter at which people can eat quickly, and customers can also pick up carry-out orders. We're not really planning on a dine-in right away, he said. We need a bigger staff to do that. We're working on getting our crew because we actually plan to keep doing the carts. We were just so busy last year that we couldn't do all of the events we were invited to do. That's why we plan to get another cart to meet half of that demand. Rayner said he also has a few other ideas for the new location that are being discussed, such as offering arcade games or selling a few grocery essentials. Originally, I was not planning to do a restaurant, he added. I was planning on having a kitchen for the orders and then do the carts. But the demand for the restaurant is up there. Hot Diggity Dogs is open from 4 to 8 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday at the Central Avenue location, though the business also serves foods at events. More information can be found on the Hot Diggity Dogs Facebook page. Stockton Insurance Agency acquires two more offices. A Stockton Insurance Agency has taken ownership of two additional offices in Joe Davis County. Bower Insurance Agency now owns McCoy Insurance Services as, at, as of the beginning of the month, according to Peter Huschitz, one of the four Bauer Insurance Agency employees who took over ownership of the McCoy offices. McCoy Insurance Services has offices in Galena and Elizabeth, and Hueschitz said the offices will continue to operate under the McCoy name for the time being. The existing employees will stay the same. The insurance representation will stay the same. It's just under new ownership with the resources we have in Stockton. Hueschitz said said the Bauer and McCoy offices have been under an alignment agreement since 2004, meaning they work together while being owned and operated separately. After the previous McCoy owners decided to leave the insurance agency business, Bauer staff took over. Since making the ownership switch, Husage said two Stockton employees have been spending time at the Galena office, which has been quite busy in the new year. As a human being, I don't always think bigger is better, but being with being a multi-location business, We can share resources more efficiently, he said. Technology has helped that tremendously as well. We can almost be at any of the three locations and can conduct our work. The McCoy Insurance Services offices are open from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Thursday and 9 a.m. to noon Friday. New gaming store opens in Fenimore. A new gaming store has opened in southwest Wisconsin. Rally Point Games open this month at 970 Lincoln Avenue in Fenimore near Timothy's Café and the Dwight Parker Library. The store is owned by Devin Glick and Matthew Sargent. We used to work together at the Boscobel Prison, Glick said. It was both of our dreams to open up a game store at some point in our lives. So we're starting out looking forward to having an adventure and making people happy. Glick said the pair purchased a space, formerly the home of Fenimore Hair Designs, on December 2, and then worked to convert it into a gaming store. So far, it's been good, he said. We've had quite a few new customers come in and we have had good conversations with them. The business sells a wide variety of games, including card games, board games, and role-playing games. The store also has a 3D printer and provides computer repair services. Glick said the business also has a, quote, top-of-the-line virtual reality system that costs for 30 minutes of use. However, those who become members of the store can have a free daily 30-minute session on the virtual reality system. Memberships which are $20 per month also come with a discount on the store's merchandise and access to console gaming. Eventually, Glickset, an arcade with several old-style cabinet arcade games and pinball machines also will be featured in the store. I really enjoy the social aspect of gaming, Glickset. It's more about bringing people together to have fun. That's where you make the most memories. That's what, what I wanted for this community. It's easy to approach people when you understand the games, when, you, when you're when you in your imaginations and having a good time. Rally Point Games is open from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, as well as 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Friday and Saturday. The business can be reached via email at rallypointgames at yahoo.com. The store also can be found online at rallypointgames.com or on Facebook. Business tips sought. Do you have an interesting story or news tip to share about a local business? Ideas can be shared with business reporter Kaylee Reese at Kaylee reese, Kaylee.reese at thmedia.com or at 563-588-5673. Socially conservative education policy bills moving in Iowa House. Story by Benjamin Fisher at thmedia.com. Bills that would monitor school curricula and regulate the mention of LGBTQ issues in classroom are among Republican-backed education proposals that are progressing in the Iowa legislature. Bills related to curricula and teacher training and others mandating or banning certain lessons have been introduced in advance in the first weeks of the legislative session. Several echo high-profile controversial laws passed in other states' especially those related to LGBTQ plus issues. Many such bills introduced in the Iowa House of Representatives have been co-sponsored by local lawmakers. Iowa Representative Steve Bradley, R. Cascade, is a new member of the House Education Committee and has co-sponsored the majority of education policy legislation introduced by Republicans. He discussed some of them in his first weekly newsletter of the session, in which he wrote that, quote, Some of our public schools have now embraced an ideology that they, in fact, own the children and know better than parents. Quote, Parents that challenge the indoctrination of the students in anti-American ideology and LGBTQ objectives that are contrary to their values are increasingly ignored and villainized by a growing number of school districts in Iowa, he wrote. I know this because I have received hundreds of emails and spoken to numerous parents frustrated and frightened for the future of their children and their country. In an interview with the Telegraph Herald, Bradley said his positions on these policies reflect what he has heard from constituents. Parents want to be able to control what their kids are being taught, he said. I'm okay with that. My thinking and what I'm hearing from the parents is they want to know what their kids are being taught and want the schools to get back to some of the basics of teaching instead of all this woke stuff. Regarding LGBTQ plus indoctrination of students mentioned in this letter, Bradley said he was referring to events happening in public schools in the district, but would not say which school district. I don't want to get some people in trouble, but there are things some of the teachers have students do, especially describing sex and things like that. I'm okay with sex education, just as long as you're not pro- promoting any type of lifestyle. That includes all types of lifestyle. I don't go out and promote myself as a heterosexual in public, for instance. Bradley co-sponsored House File 8, which would ban classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade or in a manner that is not age-appropriate for students. And House File 9, which would require students to inform the parents of a student who requests gender identity transition. House File 8 is very similar to a Florida law signed last year that bans public schools from instructing students about sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. And in the Iowa legislature, mostly Democratic lawmakers opposed to the pro- proposed LGBTQ plus instruction ban have been referring to it as the House File 8 for Hate. Represent- Iowa Representative Lindsey James D. Dubuque said, 8 and 9 are pretty ugly shortly after the bills were introduced. I just can't believe this is the most important work we should be doing to make Iowa a better place for all Iowans, she said. Iowa Representative Ann Osmondson, our vulgar Republican is also a sponsor of House Files 8 and 9, but did not provide comment after repeated requests. Regarding anti-American indoctrination mentioned in his newsletter, Bradley said that that has not been a problem at his school set in his district. But in other districts, it is a problem, he said. We pass laws for the whole state of Iowa. That's what I'm hearing from other legislators. Bradley Osmondson and Iowa Representative Craig Johnson, our Independence, also co-spondered House File 12, which requires social studies curricula that compares, quote, political ideologies such as communism to totalitarianism, which conflict with the principles of freedom and democracy that are essential to the founding principles of the United States. Professional education groups, including rural school advocates, the Iowa State Education Association, and professional educators of Iowa said they preferred the Department of Education review curriculum materials, but did not oppose the bill because they thought the lessons it would require already are taught. Other Republican education bills include one to study how Iowa State universities train teachers and one to give parents access to all research sources provided to students at the school. Dubuque Community Super School Superintendent Amy Hawkins said her administrators follow all education policy bills, and that the bills being considered generally target problems the district doesn't have with rules that could hamper educators. We have con- conversations about what they look like for us. Would we have to make adjustments, she said. But we have a great relationship with our parents. They know that if there is ever an issue they want more information on, they can come back to us and that we will work together with them. I don't think our parents are, are looking for these changes. Dubuque County Supervisors to appoint new recorder. Elected officials from other counties speak against merger. Story by Benjamin Fisher, thmedia.com. Dubuque County Supervisors on Monday agreed to hear from residents interested in filling the vacant county recorder position at an upcoming meeting after being told of the possible consequences of not filling the seat. That opportunity will come during the county board's Monday, January 30th meeting at the Dubuque County Courthouse. On Monday, the three supervisors stressed that they are not involved with the currently circulating citizen petition calling for the county recorder's office to be absorbed into other departments. But recorders and office staff from other counties attended the board of supervisors meeting in mass, denouncing the idea of changing the recorder's office in Dubuque County. In November, then county recorder John Murphy was re elected to Handley over independent candidate Keith Lucy, but he resigned effective January 3rd to become CEO of Davenport based Community Action of Eastern Iowa. In December, the county board, board appointed longtime deputy recorder Carol Kennedy as interim recorder. <clears throat> Iowa code requires that county boards of supervisors appoint a permanent replacement for a vacant position within 40 days, but an original reading of the code found no clear consequence for a county not making that deadline. County supervisors and county auditor Kevin Dragado asked county attorney Scott Nelson to review the code to be sure. Nelson reported Monday his interpretation that supervisors actually would be legally liable if they missed the 40-day window. You have to look elsewhere in the code. He said it creates a duty. Legally, that means something different than anywhere else. It is a duty to get that done in that. The county board could technically be exposed to a written mandamus. Someone could go to the court and say the board of supervisors is derelict in their duties. The court could come in and order you to do your duty under threat of contempt. Not believing they had to rush to fill the position, led the supervisors to let two weeks pass before the beginning of the process of publishing their intent to appoint someone. I don't believe anybody's trying to skirt the codes," said Supervisor Harley Pottoff to Nelson. We had a little hiccup that put us behind. Drogato said that even so, the county was at the 20th day of the 40-day time frame, which gave the supervisors plenty of time. Supervisor Wayne Kenneker said the supervisors missed the chance of full interviews of applicants for the position and proposed appointing either Lucy or another interested county resident that he knew of, but whom he did not name as soon as possible. We have two people who are interested in doing this job as it stands. We know that many people in this county, 13,552 people, wanted one of those people, Lucy, to do the job, referring to Lucy's whole total. Supervisor Ann McDonough, though, said she knew more people were interested and should be her. I would lead toward Monday, a work session where people want to be considered some here, come here, and we can hear from them, ask them questions if we wish. I would expect six to ten people that I know of to want to be here for that. The Three supervisors eventually agreed to hold the work session on Monday and then make their appointment decision, at their February 6th meeting, but Potoff said he wished to make sure that interested residents know the job could end one way or another in two years, either by losing reelection or by voters eliminating the position in 2024. At a meeting earlier this month, Dergado mentioned that the recorder position could be eliminated and its duties folded into his office or that of county treasurer. The process has to be started by a citizen petition. Potts said that shortly thereafter, citizens acquired and began circulating such a petition. McDonough said she understood the petition had garnered thousands of signatures already, with support of residents of both political parties. Due to requirements in the state code, those circulating the petitions would need to secure nearly 10,000 signatures from county residents. If a petition with enough signatures is submitted... The supervisors could then could call for the proposed merger to be on the ballot for the November 2024 election at the rise. A group of recorders and staff from other counties spoke during Monday's meeting, meeting's public input portion. Grundy County Recorder Travis Case previously worked in Marshall, Marshall County Recorder's office before that county became one of two in the state to eliminate the elected position. He said the decision has been bad for Marshall County citizens. They lost the ability to choose one person to be a great recorder, he said. They lost the ability to choose one person to be a great auditor. Instead, they have a position which the officer holder has to choose between competing duties and perform a constant juggling act. Story County Recorder Stacy Herridge said the elimination of recorder positions in Marshall and Woodbury counties had not accomplished the reduced cost promised by proponents. Kennecur said, "I oppose eliminating or combining the recorder's office." McDonough said, "County to be county residents had discussed it for years and that the petition process should play out. All supervisors said the decision, though, was out of their hands. It is the citizens of Dubuque County who are getting the signatures put off set. It is citizens of Dubuque County who will. Country star Wetzel to make return to Dubuque. A country artist with more than 1.3 billion streams to his name will make his return to Dubuque this summer. Co. Wetzel will perform at 8 p.m. July 1 at Five Flags Center, the The venue announced Monday. Tickets will be available starting at 10 a.m. Friday, January 27th at Ticketmaster.com and at the Five Flags box office. The singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer has three RIAA gold certified singles, February 8th, 2016. Something to talk about and drunk driving. His latest full length album, Hell Paso, was released last year. This will mark Wetzel's second performance at Five Flags after he made his debut at the venue in 2021. Ballot set. Three candidates vying for Piazza Council Seat. Piazza, Iowa. Three candidates will be on the ballot for Piazza City Council Seat in a special election next month. Eric Osterman, Brian Schatz, and Wesley Waduer will run in the February 14th election to fill a vacancy created by the resignation of Doug Hughes, according to County Elections Commissioner, Jenny Hillary. The deadline to file to run was Friday. The winner of the special election will serve on the City Council until the November election. Dubuque County Supervisors aim to hold tax rates steady, meaning few projects. Story by Benjamin Fisher, THMedia.com. Due to a complicated cocktail of societal factors, the Dubuque County Board of Supervisors enters its annual budgeting process with an uncertain but basically similar revenue outlook as last year at higher costs for operations. New state laws, higher global inflation and minimal changes to property valuations over the past year telegraphed a quote, tight year for county spending according to county officials at a Monday meeting Monday. The county supervisors also voiced unanimously voiced goals of not increasing the property tax levy rate and increasing wages for county employees. All of those together led supervisors to say the county likely would have far fewer capital projects budgeted for the fiscal year beginning July 1. We cannot provide the same services this year as we did last year at the same cross, same cost," said Supervisor Harley Pottoff. Each year, the Board of Supervisors consults with the City of Dubuque Assessor and County Assessor for updates on changes to valuations or property tax requirements that would impact the county's tax revenues. This year, they revealed that taxable revenues in the county increased 2.2% in 2022. City Assessor Troy Patzner said that was because 2022 was not a property Revaluation year. So, according to Budge County Budget Director Stella Rundy, any increase in valuations was either, either due to improvements to properties or to new construction. The great majority of revenue increase from in valuation increases were due to new construction, according to County Assessor Billy Selby. Rundy said that if the Board of Supervisors make no change to the levy, the county would receive about $300,000 more in the next fiscal year from the total valuation increases. She said the county would have another approximately $300,000 available to paying off debt incurred for the county courthouse's new roof. On Monday, Rundy provided a preliminary draft budget, including those valuation numbers, with the same levy rate as in the current fiscal year and based on routine increases in operational fundings for departments. That budget would require a 2.82% increase or in revenues and spending for general services and a 3.4% bump or $198,952 for rural services. The county board in recent years has decreased the levy rate from more than $10 in 2013 to around $9 in the current fiscal year per $100,000 taxable revenue. Supervisor Ann McDonough said she hopes to maintain that level at least but department should know there's not a lot of room for any new projects. Supervisor Wayne Kenneker agreed with McDonough, saying increased wages took priority over projects for him. I would support an increase in wages, generally speaking, he said. I think it's fair to say that operating costs are going up. If there is a consensus that operating wages are going to go up and we want to at the very least hold individuals' property taxes where they're at, it's almost a given that capital projects needs to go down. UD suspends Greek organizations as other local colleges report mixed membership trends. Story by Elizabeth Kelsey, thmedia.com When Christopher Sand transferred to University of Dubuque in the fall of 21, he joined the Athenian fraternity, a century-old Greek organization at campus. It became a family, a community of sorts, to kind of get behind, and I just felt really at home, he said. Sands was president of both the Athenian Fraternity and the Greek Council Board of UD's four Greek organizations, so he was, quote, shocked and disappointed when school officials recently announced those groups were suspended, citing low membership and decreased engagement. The move comes as local colleges report varied trends in Greek life on their campuses. Nelson Edmonds, UD's vice president of student engagement and collegiate athletics, said the university currently has 10 active members in its four local Greek organizations. He said a decade ago, UD had about 13 Greek organizations with up to 100 active members. In recent years, membership fell dramatically. Multiple groups ceased operations and members of existing organizations showed less engagement. In the spring of 2022, Edsman's office met with Greek members and advisors to note that the university, quote, needed to see improvement in membership levels, engagement, and campus visibility of greek organizations if the programs were to remain viable at the time the group said they were committed but after the spring and into the fall there really wasn't a follow-through to do some of the things he had talked about to I mean, he said megan schmidt president of ud's Lambda delta sorority and greek council vice president said no timeline for the changes was set at the spring meeting and that greek organizations were working on boosting recruitment when the decision was announced Edmunds said this suspension is not a cost-saving move, but the Office of Student Engagement and this group's advisors do invest time and resources into the program. It's more about time and energy and resources that we want to make sure are being put forward for things that students are showing, up, showing they want to engage in in our campus, he said. Administrators and Greek Life representatives are scheduled to meet Wednesday, January 25th, to discuss next steps and the future of Greek life at UD. Other local colleges report varied levels of membership in Greek life. Loris College supports a chapter of national fraternity, Sigma Phi Epsilon. Arthur Sunleaf, Vice President for Student Development, said about 15 students are currently involved. The college previously had a chapter of national sorority, Alpha Sigma Alpha, but low membership led national officials to close that chapter several years ago. It seems at this time there's a struggle to find members, Sunleaf said. The University of Wisconsin-Platteville approximately... 325 students were involved in 14 Greek lives in of spring 2022, said Lisa Kratz, director of Marquis Pioneer Student Center. Kratz said the number represents a, quote, a slight decrease in universities' typical Greek involvement. With student organizations in general, we found that some of them experienced membership declines during the pandemic, and it's not unusual for them this last year to be rebuilding, she said. Officials at Clark University did not respond to a request for comment Monday afternoon. Building permits issued in Dubuque County in December with values of at least $50,000. Single-family houses, Estates of Dubuque, 3656 Vintage Lane, $295,700. Estates of Dubuque, 3649 Lasso Court, $210,600. Salvation Army of Dubuque looks to meet community needs. Story by Joshua Irving, thmedia.com. Salvation Army of Dubuque is a mission in, is an organization in transition. We're in a state of evolution, said Communications Director Cindy Coleman. This has been one of the means to the Salvation Army having staying power. We investigate what the community needs are and see how we're best suited for meeting those community needs. With new leadership, the nonprofit ministry has a new goal to engage more directly with the community, particularly after COVID-19 pandemic limited opportunities to connect. Local branch took on new leadership last year with Captains David and Laura Amick, who previously led Salvation Army ministries in Illinois and Minnesota. The Salvation Army was founded as and remains a church. We want the Salvation Army to be more prevalent in the community, David Amick said have gifts to give to the community. At the head of that effort is the local revival of the Pathway of Hope program, the Salvation Army's case management program, with a full-time employee, John Emery, a former pastor and AmeriCorps member who has been running the Dubuque Salvation Army's food pantry, will take on the role, which has gone unfilled since November 2021. The goal is to connect clients with seeking to turn their lives around with housing, educational, and employment opportunities. It's not just a matter of connecting with resources, but also what we can do to get you on your feet, Emory said. What we can do, and what you can do, and what can your, for lack of a better word, higher power do. The food pantry at the local Salvation Army offers the group another way to engage more directly with residents. The organization is hosting Buy, eat, live healthy nutrition classes, which are funded by Iowa State University Extension and Outreach and open to adults living in household at or below 185% of the federal poverty line. The branch's mobile food pantry, which will resume service in February or March, also will be deployed more regularly since staff noted the mobile pantry seemed to get more engagement with the residents than the one at their 1099 Iowa Street address. The Salvation Army also continues to offer opportunities for residents of all ages to socialize. The organization hosts scouts programs and offers classes in ballet, archery, and band. For older adults, the organization has regular potlucks and bingo nights and has plans to start an adult exercise program later this year. That's what we try to offer some kind of community, whether that's an adult's program or kid's archery, Coleman said. The Salvation Army of Dubuque area served includes Dubuque, Delaware, North Jackson, and South Clayton counties in Iowa, Western Joe Davis County in Illinois. Services include a food pantry, older adult and youth programs, Pathway of Hope case management, how to contact, call 563-556-1573. This story is part of a series in which the Telegraph Herald Regularly is profiling tri-state area social services agencies. You are listening to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald on Tuesday, January 24, 2023 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Joyce E. Waters, Dateline, Piazza, Iowa, Joyce E. Waters, 74, Piazza, Iowa, Passed away Friday, January twentieth, 2023, at Finley Hospital following a sudden illness. Funeral services will be at 12 p.m. Wednesday, January twenty-fifth, 2023, at the Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road with Pastor Mike Jones officiating. Visitation will begin at 9 a.m. until the time of service at the funeral home on Wednesday. Joyce was born on March 29, 1948, in Dubuque, the daughter of George and Ruth Humpke, Hodgkinson. She attended the University of Dubuque. On December 4, 1971, she married William Bill Waters at Grandview United Methodist Church. Joyce had a 44-year career as a proofreader working for William C. Brown, Times Mirror, and McGraw Hill Publishing. She was an active member of Rockdale United Methodist Church and participated in many church functions and events. She also volunteered at the Dubuque County Fair for 20 years and also always enjoyed the Wednesday night dances. She loved to go to read, to do crossword puzzles, to go out to eat, take Sunday drives. But the thing she enjoyed the most was quilting. She worked with the ladies' quilting at Rockdale and also made many honor quilts for veterans. She survived by her husband, Bill, two sisters, Cheryl, Sharon Holverson of Boscobo, Wisconsin, and Jenny Fred Bays of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, two brothers, Glenn Barb Hodson of Bebuke B- 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 and Bill Judy Hodgson, of Minneapolis, Minnesota, along with many nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her parents and a brother-in-law, Roger Holverson. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be given to Rockdale United Methodist Church in Joyce's name. A special thank you to the View County Sheriff's Department, Central, Australia Piazza Fire Department for all their efforts and care provided for Joyce. Dorothy L. Lady, Dickeyville, Wisconsin. Dorothy L. Lady, 85 of Dickeyville, Wisconsin, passed away Saturday January 21, 2023. A Massive Christian Burial will be held at 11 a.m. Thursday, January 26, 2023 at St. Rose of Lima Church, Cuba City, Wisconsin, with the Rev. David Flanagan officiating. Burial will be in this church cemetery. Family and friends may call from 10 to 10.45 10 a.m. Thursday at the church prior to the service. Casey McNett Funeral Home and Cremation Services of Cuba City is assisting the family. Dorothy was born on... June 4, 1937, in Mount Hope, Wisconsin, the daughter of Fred and Mabel Updike. On January 14, 1956, she married Thomas Lady, her devoted and loving husband of 67 years. Dorothy was a loving mom who devoted her life to her children and her husband. Her passion was her crafts. She and Tom could be seen at many of the craft fairs throughout the tri-state. She also loved spending time with her family, especially getting together for birthday parties. Dorothy also had a soft spot in her heart for any animal, but especially her two cats, Callie and Lacey. Dorothy is survived by her husband, Tom, a daughter, Cindy, three grandchildren, Jody, Travis, Vanetta, Scott, Deliana, Lady, and Jeff, Loy, Jolene, Lady, a daughter-in-law, Bonnie, Lady, Burbuck, ten grandchildren, and all of whom she loved dearly. She was seated in death by her two sons, Francis, Pep, Lady, and Tommy, Lady, were the world to her, and her two brothers, Billy Updike and Carlos Updike. The family wishes to thank the staffs at Pro Medica and Mercy One. In lieu of flowers, a Dorothy Lady Memorial Lady Memorial Fund has been established. Memorials may be sent to the funeral home at one two three North Jackson Street, Cuba City, Wisconsin, five three eight zero seven. Online line of Condolences for the family may be left at www.kcmagnet.com. Andrew J. Ottaway, Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. Andrew J. Ottaway, 52 of Prairie du Chien, died on Wednesday, June 18th, 2023. A celebration of life will be held at a later date. Thornburg Grau Funeral Home and Cremation Service of McGregor, Iowa is assisting the family. James L. Fecht, Potosi, Wisconsin. J- James L. Fecht, age 78 of Potosi, passed away on Friday, January 20th. 2023 at his home surrounded by his loving family he was born on september 13 1944 in platteville the son of leo and esther Morsehead. In fact on august 14 1965 james was united in marriage to margaret mccann at saint thomas More at saint thomas catholic church and potosi after their marriage the couple made their home in potosi and raised a family of two daughters and two sons James was employed at the Dubuque Pack until they closed and retired from Millprint. He also farmed, provided custom commodity, and delivered newspapers for many years. He enjoyed hunting, fishing, farming, playing cards, watching the Packers and Brewers, socializing with family and friends. He firmly believed in the mantra, "Work hard, play harder." James will be disle- deeply missed by his wife of 57 years, Maggie, children Tina, Tim, Martin, Dodgeville, Tim, Michaela, in Fact, Verona. Angie, Rick, Cruiser, Potosi, Rick, Ryan, Shelley, Fecht, Potosi, eight grandchildren, his siblings, and other relatives. He was preceded in death by his parents and mother-in-law and father-in-law, Gerald and Margaret Fishnick. A Massive Christian burial will be held on Wednesday, January 25, 2023, at 10 a.m. at St. Andrew Catholic Church in Tennyson. Burial will be in the St. Andrew Cemetery, Tennyson. Family and friends will, may call on Tuesday, January twenty fourth, 2023, from 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. at the church and on Wednesday from 9 a.m. until the time of services at the church. Martin Schwartz Funeral Home and Creatory in Potosi is trusted with his care. Family would like to thank his daughter-in-law, Shelley, or as James would say, Dr. Feck, St. Croix Hospice, Dr. Jeffrey White, and Nurse Kelsey for their care and compassion. As James he would say, don't worry about it. Online condolences, Martin Schwartz. Funeralhomes.com, Wisconsin. Brian L. Kathman, fifty-six of Lancaster, died on Sunday, january twenty-second, twenty twenty three. Massive Christian burial will be held at eleven AM Friday, January twenty-seventh at St. Clement's Church in Lancaster. Arrangements are pending. Leonard Funeral Home of Dubuque is assisting the family. Zero. Betty A. Casanova, Day Line Galena, Illinois. Betty A. Casanova, eighty three of Galena, died on Sunday, January twenty second. 2023 visitation will be held from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday, January 27th at the Bear Funeral Home 1491 Main Street, Dubuque, where services will follow. Burial will be a later date following cremation in the Mount Calvary Cemetery. Marion F. Braid Kelly. Marion F. Braid Kelly, 84 of Dubuque, died on Saturday, January 21, 2023. Visitation will be held from 10 a.m. to noon on Thursday, January 26th, at the Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory. 2595 Rockdale Road, where services will follow. Monica M. Bessler. That's one that we already did, so we will not do that. Here are funeral services. Michael J. Buddy, I Iowa. Visitation, 3 to 6.45 p.m. today. Hoffman Schneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory. 3860 Ashbury Road, prayer service, 645 p.m. today at the funeral home, Massive Christian Burial, 1030 a.m. Tuesday, January 24th, Church of the Resurrection. Camilla Dorr, Dubuque, service, 1030 a.m. today, Hoffman Schneider Kitchen Funeral Home and Crematory, 3860 Ashbury Road. Shirley A. Gall, Dyersville, Iowa, visitation, 9 to 10 a.m. today, Kramer Funeral Home, Dyersville, Massive Christian Burial, 1030 a.m. today is in St. Francis Xavier Basilica, Dyersville. Geraldine M. Goodman, Dubuque. Visitation, 9.30 to 10.45 a.m. today, Friday, January 27th. St. Columbical Catch the Church Service, 11 a.m. Friday at the church. Jason Kevern, Galena, Illinois. Visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 25th. For Long Funeral Chapel, Galena. Susan K. Kiefer, Dubuque, Mass of Christian Burial, 11 a.m. today, St. Raphael's Catholic, Catholic Cathedral. Loretta J. Lucy, East Dubuque, Illinois, Visitation, 9.30 to 10.45 a.m., Saturday, February 4th, St. Mary's Catholic Church, East Dubuque, Mass of Christian Burial, 11 a.m. Saturday at the church. John R. Nichols, the third, Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, Visitation, 4 to 7.30 p.m. Friday, January 27th. Garrity Funeral Homes Chapel, Prairie du Chien. Service, 7.30 p.m. Friday at the chapel. Roger E. Quaid Dubuque. Visitation, 10 a.m. to 1.45 p.m. Saturday, January 28th. Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road. Service, 2 p.m. Saturday, Emanuel Congregational United Church of Christ. Esther M. Steerman, Dubuque, Visitation, 9 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. today, Holy Ghost Catholic Church, Mass for Christian Burial, 11 a.m. today at the church. Shirley A. Simons, Hazel, Green, Wisconsin, Visitation, 9 to 10.45 a.m. Tuesday, January 24th, Casey McNeck Funeral Home and Cremation Services, Cuba City, Wisconsin, Service, 11 a.m. Tuesday at the funeral home. Joseph Terry, Galena, Illinois, service 10 a.m., Tuesday, January 26th, Grace Episcopal Church, Galena. Joyce E. Waters, Piazza, Iowa, visitation 9 a.m. to noon, Wednesday, January 25th, Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, service noon Wednesday at the Funeral Home. Merlin A. White, Worthington, Iowa, visitation 5 to 7 p.m. today, Kramer Funeral Home, Dyersville. Graveside service, eleven a.m., Tuesday, January twenty-fourth, Saint Paul's Catholic Cemetery, Worthington, Elise A. Wishmeyer, Piazza, Iowa. Mass of Christian burial, ten thirty a.m. today, Saint John the Baptist Catholic Church, Piazza. And local sports news: Women's college basketball. Special moment for Clark's Kelchin. Story by Danny Miller. thmedia.com. Her team wanted her to get it so badly. There was an anxiousness in the crowd not typically present in the late-game lopsided affair, but yet in the final three minutes, the pride kept feeding Elma, Emma Kitchen the ball, Kelchin the ball, as she fought for every last point in the game she normally normally and long departed from. With when the Bellevue, Iowa native calmly drained two free throws with one fifteen remaining in Clark's 85-48 victory over Cal- William Penn on January 16, the hometown crowd stood in unison and applauded. Her teammates and coaches traded hugs with the workhorse fifth-year senior. Emotion spilled from Kelchin's face. She became the 14th member of the Clark Women's Basketball Program's 1,000-point club. It was overwhelming in the middle, Kelchin said. I didn't know everybody in the stands knew. I have spent so much time with my coaches and teammates. I was crying and hugging every single one of them just because they are so important to me. It was all so special. Prep Wrestling, Hempstead, WD on road for regional duels. Joined by Tim O'Neill, thmedia.com. Dubuque, Hempstead, and Western Dubuque will hit the road for the team portion of the Iowa wrestling postseason, while West Delaware will compete for a trip to state in its own gym. The Iowa High School Athletic Association unveiled pairings for the January 31 regional duel tournaments following the latest team rankings from the Iowa Coach Wrestling Coaches and the Officials Association. The state dual tournament will take place on February 4th at Xtreme Arena in Coralville, a break from recent years when the tourna- dual tournament was held on the eve of the traditional state tournament in mid-February in Des Moines. Boys Prep Basketball Rosencrantz helps Cuba City route east to be a story by Shannon Malm, THmedia.com. Cuba City, Wisconsin. The Cuba City Cubans rebounded from Friday's conference loss to Darlington with a 77-44 win over visiting East Dubuque on Monday night. The Cubans 10-4 used dominant second-half performance following the Warriors just 12 points and to a runaway win. I thought our kids really got after it in the second half and used our size advantage well, Cuba City coach Dur- Jerry Pedago said. We ran the ball well tonight and played good defense. The Cubans were led by seniors, Reese Rosencrantz and Max Lucey with 23 and 21 points respectively, while senior Cody Houtiker added 13 points for Cuba City. Local and area roundup senior fall falls one spot to number seven class 4A hoops ranking. Dubuque senior fell one spot to number seven in the latest Iowa Associated Press for class 4A boys basketball rankings. Meanwhile, high school athletic association rankings, Rams fell to number nine. No other area teams appeared in the IHSAA rankings, which will be used to determine postseason assignments, and seedings later in the season. McColkula received six points in Class 3A voting in the AP poll, almost third among teams receiving votes. Bellevue Marquette drew 10 points in Class 1A, balloting news with second among teams just outside the top ten. USHL, Monday comes early for Waterloo as Fighting Saints extend win streak. Story by Jim Leitner, thmedia.com. The Dubuque Fighting Saints gave the Waterloo Blackhawks a case of the Mondays on Saturday night. Ryan St. Louis scored with just 22.7 seconds remaining in regulation to lift the relentless Saints to a 3-2 victory in front of 2,865 fans at Dubuque Ice Arena. A night earlier, Waterloo tallied three goals in the final 100 seconds for a dramatic 5-4 regulation time win at Eastern Conference leading Chicago. Our third period looked a lot like our Mondays in practice, Saints coach Kurt McDonald said. Our guys probably don't like it, but we really get after it on Mondays. I mean, we really battle all practice long. By the end of tonight, you could tell Waterloo was dead tired because of it. Dubuque, 17-12, 1-1 at the midway point of the 62-game season, extended the UHL's longest active game-winning streak to five games while stopping the Blackhawks' seven-game winning streak. Telegraph Herald of the Week finalists. Jackson Lawrence Cascade, the sophomore leads is coaching cookie- Cougars and scoring with 18.4 points a game. Max Lucy, Cuba City. He drained eight three-pointers on his way to a game-high 34 points in Cuba City. Rolled past Riverdale 89-56 on Tuesday night in Muscota, Wisconsin. Samantha McDonald, Dubuque Sr., the senior leads Rams 206-17 points 33 steals, 108 rebounds, and 47 offensive rebounds while ranking second with 35 assists through the first 16 games of the season. Voting begins at 12.01 a.m. each Monday and runs through 5 p.m. each Tuesday at www.telegraphherald.com slash athlete. Men's College Basketball. Dubuque denies Dutch. Story by Danny Miller at thmedia.com. A season-long he he'll, Hill turned into a recipe for success. For the University of Mount to be a men's basketball team. We got off to a great start and that hasn't been our calling card this year, Spartans head coach Robbie Severdine said. UD shut- shot out to a twelve point advantage, seven minutes into America Saturday's American Rivers conference contest with of Leading Central and never looked back at the start. Spartans played in front front for nearly the entirety of the 67-61 victory at Stoltz Sports Center. The Spartans, thirteen and five, six and three, ARC. Led for all but 18 seconds of the 40 minute contest in a game they never trail. That's a really good team, just a big physical team, and that makes it tough to score against, Seabirdane said. Jalen McCants, who scored 16 of his game high 20 points in the first half of the Spartans, set his team reports Saturday's contest differently after a December 3rd road loss to the Dutch. Women's college basketball. Central holds off Dubuque Rally. Story by Danny Miller at THMedia.com. It was an uphill battle the entire way, one that proved to be a bit too steep for the University of Dubuque women's basketball team to overcome on Saturday. Though the Spartans continued to mount rally after rally until the end, Central led for all but 22 seconds of the team's American Rivers Conference matchup at the Stoltz Sports Center as the Dutch held on for a 69-63 victory. Here's a look at some other news. Police, Dubuque man supplied girls with alcohol sexually assaulted them, and a man is accused of spying two underage girls with alcohol and sexually assaulting them. Mohammed B. Hussein, 39, of 1102 Romberg Avenue, was arrested at 5.12 a.m. Monday at Dubuque Law Enforcement Center on Charges of spying Alcohol to a Person Under Illegal Age and Two Counts of Third-Degree Sexual Abuse. Court documents state that a girl younger than 15 recently called authorities. Report that she and a female friend, also younger than 15, were picked up by Hussein and driven around Dubuque as he purchased alcohol for the girls to drink from multiple retail locations. He then drove to a motel where he sexually assaulted both girls. Dubuque man sentenced to jail for a severely injuring girlfriend with flashlight. A Dubuque man recently was sentenced to 30 days in jail for severely injuring his girl with girlfriend with a flashlight. John I. McFarlane, 39, was sentenced in the eyewitness record of the county after pleading guilty to charges of assault causing serious injury and domestic assault. McFarlane initially was charged with willful injury causing serious injury and domestic assault with a weapon, but pleaded to less include, lesser included charges as part of a plea deal to counts of child endangerment were dismissed. McFarlane must serve Two to five years of probation after his jail term, according to a sentencing order from Judge Michael Schubat. A look at local law enforcement reports. The Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Department reported. Evan P. Swy, 35, of Mazomani, Wisconsin, was arrested at 3.45 a.m. Monday in the area of U.S. Highway 61, Slash 151N Digital Drive on charges of possession of methamphetamine, possession of marijuana, unlawful possession of prescription drugs, possession of drug paraphernalia, and obstruction of emergency communication. Joseph R. Cotton, 30 of 1682 Radford Road, number 18, was arrested at 3.28 a.m. Monday at his residence on a charge of domestic assault with injury. Dubuque woman sentenced for using credit card from assistant assisted living facility resident. Dubuque woman has been sentenced to two years of probation for stealing and using a credit card from an assisted living facility rev, resident. Tiffany D. Banks, 35, recently was given the sentence in Iowa District Court of Dubuque after pleading guilty to a charge of unauthorized use of a credit card. as part of a plea deal to additional accounts of unauthorized use of a credit card were dismissed as well as one count of dependent adult abuse. As part of her fine, she must pay an $855 fine and a 15% surcharge, according to the sentencing order from Iowa District Judge Thomas Bitter. Court documents state that a report was made February 1, 2021, that $50, one debit card, and two credit cards were stolen from the wallet of a man staying at an apartment at Sunset Park Place, 3730 Pennsylvania Avenue at the time of the theft. The t- exact time day, time of the theft is unknown. Documents state, but mention cash and cards were discovered on January 21, 9 2021, the debit card and one of the credit cards were used several times throughout January 21. The total loss from then was about $198. Document states, but there was one block transaction on that credit card totaling about $1,563. Police were able to trace one of the purchases made with the missing credit card to bank's address document state. Banks was employed at Sunset Park Place, but reported quitting in December 2020. Here's a look at some letters to the editor. Letter letter from Jim Herrig, Truman Drive, East Dubuque, Illinois. Supreme Courts of every state and federal courts have stated that for nearly 200 years, the acts of the legislatures are presumed constitutional until final court ruling otherwise. The Constitution provides for a well-regulated ordered militia. From the beginnings, guns have been regulated by states. Illinois recently passed gun restrictions signed by its governor. New York's legislature also did so recently, and the court there declined to block the law while reviewing it when asked. The Joe Davis County Sheriff and State's Attorney apparently claim their judgment and authority as it precedes the legislature who represents the people and pretend to have Supreme Court authority to decide constitutionality. Wrapping themselves into the Constitution, they ignore their post to enforce the laws, saying they won't arrest persons who are otherwise lawful. Then why arrest shoplifters or speeders who are otherwise lawful? Our argument is, simply put, mistaken and assumes a result they apparently prefer politically. Is this perform- more, more performance law enforcement? What office will they seek next? Police agencies, state attorney general, and any person charged with a crime under any law can claim unconstitutionality as defense. Properly submitted to a court, there can be an injunction temporary. One later ended up being issued in this case. If there is a serious doubt about constitutionality, that is the correct approach. I find it odd that law enforcement persons want more and more dangerous, dangerous guns on our streets. While we are failing to protect school kids, not understanding or failing the rule, these men should not hold office. Vote accordingly. Here's a, a letter from Amy Gilligan, Telegraph Herald, Executive Editor. Thanks to our readers for patience through tech woes. Last week ended on a pretty disheartening note when, for the first time in my 32 years as the, at the Telegraph Herald, we were unable to get a daily paper to the press. We appreciate readers' understanding and patience through the challenging period when we were unable to access the software and templates needed to build pages. We are glad to have been able to keep providing the news coverage via the website, and email news updates, and through social media platforms. Technology, am I right? Kind of love it, kind of hate it. And proud of the work and long hours our teams put to get the technicals put in to get the technical system up and running, produce two neighbor newspapers in the time we usually produce one. The Friday version was convinced, but we made sure to get the important stuff in there. Local news and sports coverage, obituaries, and of course, comics and puzzles. We appreciate the support we got from readers as we muddled through this crisis. And that does it for today's reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday. January 24th, 2023. I'm a reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org at any time. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Bureau of Economic Geology, this is EarthDate. A decade ago, there were typically 20 earthquakes a year that were large enough to feel in the central and eastern U.S., but in 2015, there were over 1,000 of them. Why? It's mostly because we're pumping more water into the ground. The boom in U.S. oil and gas production over the last decade has brought many more oil wells, which also produce water. Most is naturally occurring in the formation, and some was injected by operators to allow or improve the recovery of oil and gas. In both cases, the water will likely have picked up salt and other minerals from the rock, making it many times saltier than seawater. Operators may re-inject this water to continue to liberate oil and gas, but more often, there's too much to handle, so it's trucked or piped to disposal wells where it's pumped down into deep saltwater reservoirs. Adding large volumes of wastewater increases the pressure in these rock formations, which can allow natural faults to slip more easily than they normally would, causing earthquakes. To address these quakes, regulators and the petroleum industry are monitoring disposal wells and shutting down those that could cause damaging seismic activity. And they now think that managing wastewater injection more carefully should help. There's still more work to be done, and university research centers, like the Bureau of Economic Geology, are conducting major studies with the aim of minimizing the risk of earthquakes while maintaining the benefits of domestic energy production. For EarthDate, I'm Scott Tinker. EarthDate is produced by the Bureau of Economic Geology at the University of Texas
0: at Austin, with support from Schlumberger, helping oil and gas companies increase production and efficiency while lowering environmental impact. You can hear more EarthDate stories at
1: earthdate.org.